Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Okay, this is a little, it's a little weak. First service gave me a couple woos, so, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So my name is Ryan. I'm really glad you guys are here with us, whether you're sitting here in the room or you're tuning in online. Um, Brady and Randy, as you guys saw from the video at the beginning, are in Israel um, doing some incredible things. But I kind of feel like it's, uh, it's kind of like when the parents are away. We can like have our own party, right? Get right. It's gonna get. I don't know if rowdy's the right term, but I, I hope we have a good time at least. So uh, we've been in this series called "Why Follow" with the subtext: one of the most important questions of all time. And this series has been incredible because I think this "Why Follow" question is so critical and so core to ask. And through the last few weeks, we've been, we've been digging into that. And for me this last week, as I was thinking about this why follow question, it, it almost kind of haunted me as I prepared for the conversation today. Um, because in so many different areas of my life, it kind of came up in some different ways. So right now, I'm doing seminary school, which is basically like advanced pastor school, which makes you understand how exciting that is, right? How enthralling that is, advanced pastor school. But um, as I take these classes and look to discern God's next steps for me, and I'm in this area of high theology and Christian education, there's all of these incredible questions that come up as we study history, as we study the Bible. Um, A lot of unknowns and mystery um, that even in this like high Christian space um, acknowledge. But underneath it all, as, as I've engaged in these hard questions, this why follow question arises. In our student ministries even, I've, I've sat with some incredible students who I think are going through some really, really hard times, really um, tough circumstances. I sat with one student whose whole family dynamic is falling apart around them, and they don't know what to do. Uh, I sat with another student who's grappling with the reality of trauma in their life, very real recent trauma. And though they're asking these big questions like, why would God allow this to happen, that why follow question is kind of underneath it. Why follow this God? Why follow this Jesus? Why partake in this faith? Because even as we look around at our cultural, like our cultural Christianity, Christian as it's seen uh, through the lens of the world in our nation, um, it's, it can be really hard to identify it because there seems like there's so much dysfunction and polarization even within our own Christianity And it's hard to go, like, do I want to identify with this? Do I want to identify with that dysfunction? Because it seems distant from who Jesus is. And there's that question. Why follow in the first place? I know for each one of us, we may have our own context. We may may have our own ideas as to why this question would come up in our lives. Maybe sitting here, or if you've been here for the series, you've been reflecting on some of those why follow questions. Um... But I found, it, I've, I found it to be really encouraging. Um, and even there's this really incredible pastor who passed away a few years ago called Eugene Peterson. Great thinker, um, really incredible writings. We get the message translation of the Bible from him. Uh, but he has this quote in a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society, which that title itself is just like, ooh, 
I love that. Long obedience in the same direction. And this is the quote from the book that I think is really encouraging. The reason many of us do not ardently believe in the gospel, the gospel being the good news of Jesus, the reason many of us do not ardently believe in the gospel or believe in Jesus is that we have never, been, we have never given it a rigorous testing, thrown our hard questions at it, faced it with our most prickly doubts. I super appreciate that. And that's why I enjoy the series in a teaching like this is because we really should give the gospel of rigorous testing and hard questions and prickly doubts. We should approach it in that way because I think we're gonna actually discover real truth underneath that. That's the honesty there. I think the series has been an incredible opportunity as a community to be real with this question. Because though the answer, and though we truly believe this uh, with the center of our being, though I believe this with the center of my being, that, that everybody should follow Jesus, there's a beautiful reason everyone should follow Jesus, there's still this real tension of asking the question, why follow? So for the last few weeks, Brady has been approaching this. Uh, Drew Brennan last week gave a really, really cool talk as well um, about why follow. We've been looking at different approaches to answer this question. And we've been parsing these approaches from one of the narratives in the Bible, um, which is called the Gospel of Luke. Now, because I'm a visual person, I always like to see, you know, find pictures of the author. So here's a picture of Luke for you. Um, Luke was a first century. You are awake. You are a little bit awake. This is Luke Skywalker, everybody. And I love how I really appreciate Star Wars for giving us some real depictions of what, like, some of these people in the Bible might look like. I don't know why they do, but they do. Because I can never find a good biblical picture of any, like anyone. They're all terrible. Don't tell anyone I said that. So I found this illustration. This one was decent. I'll change it from Luke Skywalker. But um, So Luke, I, again, I like having a visual. Maybe it's just me. But Luke, this guy, was a first century doctor who was actually this traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was an early church leader. He helped start and encourage, and he wrote many letters that we find in the Bible. So Luke, historically, is steeped in relationships with people who were present in the early church and present to the life of Jesus. And one of the reasons I'm really thankful for the account of Luke, the gospel of Luke, um, actually, there's many reasons for it. And I think it's because he gives us why he's writing the book, how he wrote his book, and even who he was writing it to. This is right in the beginning. He puts it right there for us, and I'm so appreciative of it. So here's Luke chapter 1. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning... I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. When Luke wrote this account, he didn't have this idea. I, I don't know if he had this idea that 2,000 years later we would, we'd be reading his words. Right? When Luke penned this account, he wasn't creating the Bible. He was just creating an honest, accurate, complete account of the life of Jesus for his friend. Some scholars believe this Theophilus was even, um, would have helped finance Luke's investigations and Luke's journeys as he wrote this gospel. So that's kind of the who but we see the how, how he created the narrative. He consulted the eyewitnesses. He investigated. He looked into it. The why is also there, to provide 
a level of certainty about the things that happened surrounding this man, Jesus Christ. And I think if you were to read the full arc of Luke, which is uh, the challenge this week, if you do kind of our big idea um, discussions, um, if you were to look at the full arc, I think what Luke wants us to get at, and it's a big idea, is that Jesus fulfills the story of Israel, so the story of the Jewish people. That Jesus actually fulfills the story of God, and an even bigger claim that we find in Luke is that Jesus fulfills the story of everything. That everything hyperlinks and ties to Jesus. And I think if you wanted to jump into the Gospel of Luke, start reading it for yourself or listening to it on the way to work, what I really hope from this teaching today is that it gives you a framework to understand everything that you will read in it. Because we're going to look at the end of Jesus's life. The end, what it would seem like to the story. Because, because we're starting with the end here, I think that it's going to actually give us clarity for the life of Jesus. I say it this way. What happens at the end of Jesus' life gives context to everything that happened in his life. Meaning that when we step all the way to the end, we see all the things he taught and did, and we see them in a new significance. We're actually going to look directly at that today, so I've lined it out for you. So if you're, um, you brought a Bible and you like reading along, we're going to be in Luke 23, verse 33 is where we're starting. Everything will be on the screens as well, but sometimes, like for me, I just like holding the Bible in my hand and seeing the words um, written down. So Luke 23, Luke tells us this. Here's the end of the story. When they came to the place called the skull... They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And it's easy for us who may have familiarity with this story to already jump to the happy ending, to already jump to where the story is going. But when we ground ourselves in the moment, which we're going to do today, we're going to see the tension. We're going to see and maybe feel a little bit of the, the horror that's in the story. So to give you some background, Jesus was teaching this, this radical movement. He was proclaiming, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is here. Something good is here for you. And this upset a lot of people. It upset the religious authority of the time. It upset the Roman um, Empire as well. So Jesus was betrayed one of his, by one of his closest friends. He was convicted, and he ultimately was hung on a cross for his movement for the words he was proclaiming. So that's the background. As we, we jumped into the story, the, the, this moment is so rich because the they that would have gathered around the cross would have been a giant crowd because the, the, the biggest Jewish festival was happening in Jerusalem that year. Jesus was making a stir. Uh, rumors and ideas and talk of Jesus was everywhere. So when this Jesus went to be killed, a great crowd would have followed. Now, when it comes to crucifixion, when it comes to the death that Jesus encountered on the cross, I find it really interesting that none of the four authors of the Gospels talk about what crucifixion is. John, Matthew, Mark, and even here, Luke. None of them describe to us what crucifixion really was. And I think that's because their original audience knew the original audience knew they didn't need a description. That original audience knew that those who hung from these torture devices, because that's ultimately what they were, these, these crosses were designed out of a spirit of cruelty so that those who hung would have suffered for a long time before dying. 
those original audiences knew that the people who hung on the cross, that that cross was a statement that the empire of Rome was in charge. Those crosses, which would have been everywhere, not just outside of Jerusalem, would have been a welcome to Rome sign so that you knew where you were and you know whose you were. They knew, this original audience knew what I don't think a lot of our modern sensibilities can understand when it comes to crucifixion, which is why we're sitting in the moment a little bit. And it's important to remember, too, that when Jesus hung on the cross, he hung with the least of the least of the least. When he was on the cross, it was a statement about his movement, because in this moment, that movement was dead, just like he would soon be. So something incredible happens. It's in the next verse. Jesus pulls out a ragged breath and he says this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Who is Jesus hanging on a cross to say he has the power to forgive anyone? Who is Jesus to have authority in any sense if he is hanging on the cross? But this moment is going to give us a a picture of everything Jesus said and did in his life. But when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing, this is towards the Roman soldiers, the very ones who would have nailed the nails into his body. The very ones who sat underneath him, dividing up the spoils of Jesus' possessions, those Romans were forgiven. This forgiveness, it was extended to the Jewish leaders who who had this skewed perception of God that was mired in tradition after tradition after tradition, that, that when they saw what Jesus was proclaiming, they felt threatened. Those Jewish leaders were forgiven. And for those people who in the public square cried out, crucify him, crucify him, they were forgiven. This one statement, Father, forgive them, puts into perspective everything Jesus ever said or did or preached. Even in the despair of the cross, with imminent death coming, the words we hear from Jesus, his heart and his love, is for those who put him there. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Luke continues on. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. You can hear the scorn. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. For those who claim to follow Jesus, it's important for us to acknowledge the sign, to acknowledge the sign that would have been above Jesus' head. This is the king of the Jews. Because in that moment, without realizing it, by proclaiming Jesus as the king of the Jews, a sign written by a hand that wasn't his, it fulfills so much of what the Jews were waiting for, the story of Israel. And because of what would happen in the coming hope of Jesus' resurrection, this wouldn't be just the king of the Jews, but he is also our king. We sang a song today called King of My Heart. 
This is one of my personal favorites. I love this song a lot. It's written by uh, John Mark and Sarah McMillan. And, and the, the verses go, let the king of my heart, let the king of my heart, that let is an invitation an invitation, let the king of my heart, God, Jesus, come in, be the fire for me, be the wind in my sails, be the anchor. We let Jesus into our lives because when we declare Jesus as our king, it's important we don't forget the moment on the cross because when we, when we declare Jesus as our king, we're recognizing that we are a subject to the type of king who would die on a cross. Again, not only in the moment of the cross, but the words Jesus spoke. He puts perspective on everything in his life, and he gives us clear direction as well. I want to jump back to um, one of the teachings Jesus has earlier in, the life of, uh, in, in his life, uh, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, where he's teaching his disciples. And though he says something that feels very literal, especially in, um, when it comes to the imagery of the cross in this moment we're in, Um, I think there's a lot going on here. So we're back in Luke chapter 9. This is what Luke records. These are Jesus' words. Can you throw that up? If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and daily follow me. And I think if we ground ourselves in the present moment, the disciples would have been stunned. They would have been shocked. Because again, we're not, we, they didn't have the idea that Jesus was going to die on a cross. I think they would have asked, what do you mean, Jesus? Do you want us to relate to the criminals? Do you want us to be like the criminals on the cross? Are, 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 are you saying this movement is about the lowest of the low? Because the idea that these disciples had is that they were going to be exalted. That they were going to step into a new kingdom. Their idea of kingdom was different than Jesus's. It's almost like they're asking Jesus, don't you know This imagery of the cross to deny ourselves and take up a cross, the cross is a one-way journey to to death. Exactly. And I want to get this right, so I'm going to read this here. Jesus says to his followers, which are his followers back then and anyone that claims to be his follower today, that those who want to be citizens of his kingdom, followers of this king, must be willing to set aside their appetites and their ambitions To follow Jesus is to do the hard work of identifying those things within us that don't align with the life and teaching of Jesus. And this is difficult because it takes takes effort. To wake up in the morning and to think about our lives and go, what are the things that I'm doing? What are the, the, the ways I'm driving my life that don't actually align with the life of Jesus? And we have to take those things and we have to crucify them. We have to put them on the cross. We have to deny ourselves. We crucify those things that don't align with Jesus. We give them this good burial, and we move on to this promised, joyful, eternal life in the new kingdom. Jesus continues and drives the point home. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their soul. Jesus wants to remind his followers that the things of this world, good things and bad things, it's not, the world is not inherently bad. Good things and bad things, all of those things will diminish. I think about, for me, a good object lesson for this is laughter. 
right? Think of a time in your life when you're surrounded by people you love, and it was just this deep, present laughter, right? The joy, you're so present in the moment when you're like really in that laughter. But this truly good thing, it diminishes. Eventually, the laughter fades, and you continue on, and you continue on to life. Just, it's the, it's the same with the things of this world, that everything, good or bad, diminishes. Jesus, though, Jesus on the cross is offering us something that will last. He's offering us a life in the kingdom. But it requires something difficult because it requires us to move beyond understanding, to move beyond conceptualizing, move beyond even belief, and start something new. We have to move from those things that are in the mind, and we have to move to apprenticing, following, obeying, working it out in our lives. Dallas Willard, incredible Christian thinker, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, puts it this way. Trust does not take the form of merely believing things about Jesus, however true they may be. Indeed, no one can actually believe the truth about him without trusting him by intending to obey him. I'm going to read that one more time. Trust does not take the form of merely believing the things about Jesus, however true they may be. Indeed, no one can actually believe the truth about him without trusting him by intending to obey him. And I love the grace in that intending to obey him. Right? I'm not, I'm not demanding you obey. That's not, that's not within my jurisdiction. But I hope within all of us, as we decide to believe in Jesus, we also intend to obey him. We have at least an intention that we're going to work it out in our lives. I want to frame this in this way. Can you throw that up for me, Tim, this next slide? Belief in Jesus, and follow me with this thought, belief in Jesus must flow into and out from our body. So the, way I, the reason I say this is I believe we're living in a very intellectual time. Because we have the internet and so many resources at hand, we live with a lot of intellect, podcasts, and, and so many things we can learn about, that our minds are expanding and, and we can grow and think in new ways. But it's so critical if we are to be followers of Jesus that we work it out in our body, that it manifests itself, that it flows out of us. That's why, <clears throat> because... Because I think I'm worried that many of us see the kingdom. We understand the kingdom. We, 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 we know it. But I'm worried we're standing at the border. And that we need to actually step into the belief to enter into the kingdom of God. We need to work it out in our lives. We need to take the step. And yes, hear me out. Our profession of Jesus as the king of our lives. When we declare, you know what, Jesus, you are my savior. I repent of all of the things that I have done wrong, the ways I have hurt people. Please forgive me. This forgiveness he had extended from the cross. Yes, that is what saves us. But I really believe it is by obedience that we can actually taste the kingdom of heaven. That we can taste the joy he has for us. For me, that's the beauty of communion. So if you, you don't know what communion is, it's essentially the, the Christian practice where we break bread and we pour out wine as representations of Jesus' body and we reflect on his sacrifice. In that, we make it 
a bodily practice. I think that's also the beauty of worship. Allowing worship, when it's music, to come out of our voices, to make it manifest, to let the music affect our bodies, that's one way we're experiencing the kingdom. I think it's the beauty of Sabbath rest, which is a very specific, um, a specific type of rest. Allowing the rhythms we live in to actually align with God's God's design and not the world's design, because I believe for a lot of us, I'm super passionate about this rest piece, because I believe that the world drives us at a pace that actually isn't great for us. Maybe you feel this, but I feel so many people, it's that, man, I'm, I'm so busy, I'm so tired, I'm so anxious, and that's because the king of this world, whatever that is, is driving us at this pace that actually isn't good for us, because the world does not care about us. But we have to put into practice the rhythms of God to experience the joy, to experience the kingdom. I really believe this. I believe that that the kingdom that we're talking about, the one that Jesus came to proclaim, I really believe it's the best way of life. And it's only made possible by the establishment of King Jesus. Let's jump back um, to where we were at in the narrative as Jesus is on the cross. We're, we're going to Luke 23, 46, uh, 44. It was now about noon. The darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And I love this, the, the way Luke phrases this and the way that it's translated. It's almost like on one hand, Luke can't like, get himself to say, and in this moment, Jesus died. The end of the story, Jesus died. Because when we ground ourselves there, when Jesus died, it was over. When he had said this, he breathed his last. But I think, I wonder, because Luke is writing this after the fact, after the, the fact that he's, he's hoping for the moment in the resurrection when Jesus breathed again, the hope that we want to move towards. But before we get to the hope, and the hope of the resurrection is so good, but before we get there, I want to be honest with you about why this moment is so important to me specifically. Because I was thinking about the question, why follow? And I could give you a lot of intellectual reasons, but, but in my own life, I had to ask myself, why am I following God? And because of just the week and, and experiences I have had, I got caught up in, in that moment there. Jesus breathing his last. Jesus on the cross. I want to offer you maybe a reason why you should follow God. It's, it's good for me. Maybe it'll be good for you. Jesus understands pain and suffering. For me, that, that is a, a, a good answer to why follow, because Jesus understands pain and suffering. To those students who are struggling with things they can't understand and have no control in, I don't, I don't know the big questions. I don't know why God would allow that to happen. I, I'm not God, but I at least know this, that Jesus understands pain and suffering, that when we are feeling broken, I believe that God's heart breaks too. This is not what God wanted for us. The pain, the suffering is not what God wanted for us. 
I think there might be some people coming in today to church, Keystone, thinking, man, I'm going through it. I feel that pace of life. I feel the anxiety. I can't keep up. Beyond that, I feel depressed about this. I'm struggling with this. I'm mourning the loss of this person or this relationship. We bring all of that with us. And I think to be honest with it, we go, God, what are you going to do about this? Why follow you? This is, my, this is my experience. And I think Jesus understands pain and suffering. And I'm so thankful for a God that does that. So yes, there is the hope of the resurrection. And that is very good. But sometimes when we sit in the pain, it's nice to know a God that God will sit with us too. Right in that space. Um, there's this song that I, I really love um, by a band called Judah and the Lion called Help Me to Feel Again. And for me, I found it to be a really great cry, prayer. Um, maybe it can resonate with you. Uh, here's a verse from it. This is not the end. Maybe with our feelings, let's not play pretend. Because oh my heart, don't you know, beneath every peaceful stream, there's an undertow. I love that. Maybe with our feelings, let's not play pretend. Just like Eugene was Peter, Peterson was saying, maybe it's okay to bring our doubts and our struggles and, and all of our questions to God and go, God, I, I want to follow you. What will you do with this? And I even just appreciate the honesty of the second line, that you know what? Like for all of us, life might look peaceful and good, but there are things that we struggle with. There are things in our past, in our present, and unfortunately in our future. And I like the song. Help me to feel again. God, help me to feel again. God can take our hurt, our pain, our emotion because he took that and more on the cross. The beauty of having our king be King Jesus is that I really think he understands what it's like to live this life. And I really believe that under the authority, if we allow ourselves to, to live with Jesus and follow and obey Jesus, he will drive us to pathways of hope, which isn't inherently what the world will drive us toward. Because when Jesus died, in that very real moment, again, grounding ourselves there, the hope he offered those early followers, yeah, that hope was snuffed out. They didn't know that resurrection was coming. And maybe you feel, maybe you feel that, that snuffed out, that goneness, and you're wondering, is there hope here? And I think God will meet you there. And I really believe we follow a God that will direct us towards resurrection. I think when we, when we follow Jesus and we decide that we're going to be a part of his kingdom, we're going to be participants in it, I really believe that's going to drive us back to hope. So I was thinking about it. How can I give you the clearest answer to why follow? I'll give you the most Sunday school answer, and then I'll give it a little bit of depth. Why follow? Well, because of Jesus. <laughs> like, that's really what it's all about. It's what the series has been about. That's why we meet here. Well, because of Jesus. Why follow? Because Jesus is good. Now, here's it parsed out for this talk specifically. Why follow? Because Jesus is a good king, a good ruler. Jesus is a good king, and no other king, no other kingdom can offer what he does. I really believe that. Because Jesus is king, death does not have the final word. Because Jesus is king, suffering does not last forever. Because Jesus is king, we can have peace and hope. 
when we ground ourselves in that death on the cross and the forgiveness Jesus speaks, man, that's already pointing us towards the resurrection. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. If you are coming into this place and you do just have a weight, whatever that might be, and you would like to talk about it with somebody, um, we have some friends that meet under the screen over here that just want to talk about it, right? Uh, I think there's something that happens when we speak out the pain we're struggling with, and maybe this can be a first step um, to just talk and pray together. Um, so you're welcome to do that. But for the rest of us, um, for all of us, if you guys are willing, I would love to pray with you. So if you would stand with me, um, if you can, and we'll pray together. Jesus, thank you for this day. God, thank you for this day. God, I am thankful for Luke who wrote these stories for his friend so that I might find clarity in you. God, I don't know who's coming into the space today. I don't know what they're carrying with them. Um, and we're all carrying something specific. May, maybe things are good right now. Um, but yeah, for those bringing, bringing whatever in, I, I hope they hear encouragement from you, God, that you meet them in that place and that they can know they have a God who understands that suffering, that pain, the mourning, the hurt, the loss. God, and we can sit there for a little bit. We can be that in a little bit. And then, God, I pray in whatever way it looks, you take our hand and you guide us towards hope even if we can't see it. Lord, encourage us as well that this is not just an intellectual exercise, that this isn't just something that exists in our mind, but we work it out in our lives. We bring it to life through our body. We bring it to life through our actions. God, we want to be participants in your kingdom. Please give us clarity as to what the kingdom is like and give us the courage to step over the border into that kingdom. Thank you for these friends here and online that are listening. I'm so honored by that. God, continue to direct us towards the good life Jesus showed us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, friends, for being here. I hope you have a fantastic Sunday. We'll see you back for a new series next week.